<sighs> what did we do this morning, man? It kind of felt like um, kind of felt like we stepped in the time machine. We went where there's not a, a nary of a vacuum or an air conditioning system or electricity. No to be HVACs. Seen. No HVAC. No cars. There were a bunch of buggies parked outside. We went to the Amish market. Yes, we did. Lordy, what they lack in infrastructure and they make up 5G, they make up <laughs> in pretzel bread. Yeah. Good lordy. <sighs> Wait, I I just thought of a question. Mm. Do you think that they were vaccinated? Oh, my God. None of them were wearing masks back there, uh, actually. Oh, my God. You, they might have like a religious exemption type thing. Because you can't get religious exemptions from vaccines. Oh, wait, that's like, that's actually a really interesting question. Hold on. Do the, um, are the Amish anti-vaxxers are or not? Are the Amish anti-vaxxers? Ezekiel. Ezekiel. <laughs> Let's go back and ask Ezekiel. Ezekiel. You got the jab? <laughs> I, I feel like there's, I mean, there is a difference between being an anti-vaxxer if you're just, oh, I think it's going to turn me into a lizard. <laughs> or... Like I religiously, yeah. I got a reason against it. Like culturally, because we're in such a cl- small cluster. Yeah, I can't get it. We don't really participate in modern society, so we won't take modern. Me, medicine. my name Matilda. I got little honey bun hair in a blue dress, and I serve you pretzels. I would love to get the Pfizer, <laughs> and I would love for you to take me away, Sharyar Hussein, and oh, no. and then wife me up. But no, I sir. can't. Just That's not gave, happening. Gave a little little kiss on your cheesesteak log. <laughs> And you you looked to you looked at her with a tear in your eye. Found a note in my cheesesteak log. Take me, take come, me away. Come ravage me. <laughs> On episode twenty-two of Hot Pocket, Cher is delirious and insane and is schizophrenic. <laughs> take two. <laughs> take this is take two. I am still sleepy and about to fall over. I need someone to rub my tummy and give me some honey. I'm this is why it. this is why Saad's here today, because I will wrap him up like a little prince he is, and I will give him a nap. Y'all can't see me right now. I'm in a Snuggie. Yeah, he literally is. I'm in a little cocoon. Yeah. So, like I said, this is episode 22, and I'm going to hand it off to Cher, because he had a profound moment yeah. to pick for this topic. Yeah. I was actually in New York this past week, visiting my brother and family up there, and on my way back... Um, we were just stuck in traffic in New York City, basically, and we were going through this underpass. It was about like 45 degree day, cloudy. I'm really going to set the mood for y'all, right? So it was 45 degrees at a minimum uh, or maximum, I guess I should say. It was really cold because New York cold is different. We're standing there in traffic and I see this lady going in between cars and it looks like she's selling food right? She's actually selling churros and it looks like what she has on is like a big backpack and she's wrapped up because it's real cold. You know, she go, she comes by. I really don't do anything because I'm like, All right, I don't need anything right now. And then she turns around and she turns around. And what I thought this big blanket of a backpack was, was actually a baby wrapped up on her back. And this woman is is 45 degree weather out here selling churros and water bottles and stuff with a baby strapped to her back. So I, I, I'm not lying to you when I say I've never once <laughs> ever wanted to kill myself <laughs> or throw myself <laughs> off a bridge Jeez, than in that Jesus moment. Jesus Christ. So then I called her back and I just like gave her like a 20, took like one churro. I was like, hey, just keep the change because. Hey, hold on. Hold on. You're not a smart shopper. <laughs> Come off. on. Dude. Fuck off. No, but like, dude, that, that, that just made it so unfair. Like I, I just saw the stark difference. Like in New York City, one of the most popular cities ever right throughout history and there's just such a stark difference between how people live 
And that shit made me so sad. So in this episode, we're going to basically talk about the poor people, poverty, and how you get there. Is it because of your life choices or is it because it's pushed upon you? It's going to be depressing. Yeah, it's not going to be the most fun, but hopefully it's insightful and can kind of give you, um, I don't know, a little bit more insight to to how the, the bottom half lives. Actually, more than the bottom half. It's way more. It, it's it's the 99%. 99%. There's a reason why yeah, they call it 1%. 1%. Yeah. Okay, so not the 99%. Yeah. So when I was doing research for this, right? And this 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 article or research article that I found was actually pulled in January 2020. So all of these numbers that I'm about to like spew out are before COVID. And COVID definitely heightened these numbers. Yeah. We we heard all about the eviction moratorium, how it was getting keep getting pushed and then at some point it stopped. COVID uh just for like a quick aside, COVID created uh, one of the greatest transfers of wealth upwards oh yeah meaning wealth and profits and capital from what little already existed went even further towards the one percent and re-entrenched their wealth more millionaires and billionaires were created during covid than in any other comparable time period or one-year time period in recent history while more and more and more people are getting evicted yeah and just to be clear it's not like this is a coincidence That's because of these two things. These things are correlated. Yeah. I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, Ronald Reagan for his trickle down theory. Trickle down. He's about to trickle down to hell. <laughs> oh, she has been in hell for a bit. <laughs> All right. So back to these numbers, right? So January 2020, in America, there were about 580,000 people experienced homelessness. Experiencing homelessness. 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 Seventy percent were individuals, and thirty percent were ch- with f- families with children, right? And six percent, which I thought I just wanted to kind of throw this out there, of that five hundred eighty k number, were veterans. You know, mm. the stand up for our anthem because we care about our troops, people. Yeah, basically. And that kind of just goes to show. So there's five hundred eighty k people in homelessness in America. Saad, do you want to guess? How many vacant homes there are? Hmm. Okay, there's five hundred. Five hundred eighty. Yeah. Five hundred seventy nine nine hundred ninety nine. <laughs> there's one. 9, there's there's one, just one. One less house, so they can't get it. So they can't. So we can't do anything. So they can't do anything. So we, for like, it. that would be unfair to that one homeless guy. So we're not gonna put anybody. Yep. In no. No one's gonna have. Actually, the number is around seventeen million. Let me get my. M. Let me get my abacus real quick. Okay. 580,000 homeless people. Yes. And 17 million. million vacant homes. Which one's which one is the one with three zeros? Which one's the one with six zeros? Um which seven, one's bigger? 17 million. Are you sure? <laughs> well, no, that that doesn't compute. Yeah, because if it was if that were the case then they would be in they yeah, would have homes. Would, yeah. And then even after that 500k got um uh, That's not even a million. That's not. That's half a million. You still have around 16.5 16. 16 million homes. vacant homes to fucking ravage through capitalism. I with. know. Oh, okay. I know what the problem is. What? These homeless people just didn't go to the library and apply for a lease. Uh, yeah, uh, that's those, the thing, right? Those stupid motherfuckers. That's the main thing that we want to talk about, right? Do you because of your life choices get poor? Or is, is it forced upon you because of the situations you're, you, you're born in, because of the zip code, essentially, that you live in, um, and just, like, how the institutions are set up around us, right? Mm-hmm. 
And I think one of the main, I think we were talking about this earlier. One of the, one of the main examples we can talk about is like fast food or food in general. Yeah. You hear people say all the time, it's like, oh, poor people are always like fat and unhealthy. Well, why is that? Yeah. You know? Are you fat and unhealthy because you eat McDonald's or do you eat McDonald's because you are poor? poor. Yeah. And because it's McDonald's. And you can really only eat McDonald's because it's the cheapest alternative that you are then unhealthy and fat. You guys have gone to Whole Foods, I'm pretty sure, right? Like, those organic shit is so much more expensive. Like, it's it's, it's, a, lot. it's a lot more expensive. So, that just goes to show how being healthy and being in better shape is just kind of a reflection of your wealth, you know? That's that's literally all it is. Not even, not even food, but skincare. Yeah, beauty. Just anything with beauty and aesthetics requires yeah. money. Who's like Jennifer Aniston's like one of the most common ones. Yeah, uh, a woman who has she's aged wonderfully. Yeah, she looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. No shit, it's because she's rich. Yeah, it's it's a lot harder to like not. Here's the thing: if you are someone who has been rich for several decades, and you started being rich when you were, I'm gonna say your twenties or thirties, mm-hmm. and you still look ugly, there's two things. One, <laughs> genetics. You just try to be ugly. Or your genetics are like the worst possible thing because it is very hard. Be- beauty is is representative of wealth more often than not. Right. No, I get, I get it. And I, th- I also think that dental care, like your dental hygiene and your teeth, are another reflection of wealth because mm-hmm. I think when because you, you look at all these celebrities, right? And I, we're gonna go back to celebrities, I guess, because that's like. Who you kind of see as like, yeah. oh, these people are these are wealthy. avatars of wealth. Yeah, exactly. You know, you go out and you you meet people on the street or something. You see that they have perfectly white smiles and ven- like you know pearly whites and veneers. They got all that shit. It's most likely because they're fucking loaded and they can afford to do mm-hmm. that. I think when it comes to dental insurance, I, I can't. I can't. I actually don't know if it's like. I mean, keep in mind the the fact that dental is separate from health insurance. That doesn't make sense to me. That's that's the thing. And there's actually a really good argument behind it is because for why it is separate from health insurance and why employers prefer it to be separate because your dental hygiene, if you got a broken tooth, you got, you got need root canals, whatever, doesn't really affect your work. Whereas health insurance, you broke a bone, you're sick, you need to get better so the employer can have you back at work. Yeah. Dental stuff, you need braces, you want Invisalign, that shit's not really going to really affect you in any way, right? To like work well affects yeah it affects your health yeah it affects your Doesn't health affect but not your, your work. work yeah, yeah. ability so. to work is where i think the distinction between yeah. you know employers yeah. getting your dental mixed in with your uh, health insurance is that's where they don't want yeah. it because it doesn't affect your productivity so when you look at the homeless population generally right you're looking about i think 50 to 60 percent are white people but that's because you know there's a reflection of the population of the united states because around 80 percent of the united states is still white right but when you actually break it down by ten thousands it completely flips on its head the native hawaiians and pacific islanders jumped to number one on that list out of 10,000 people 109 are homeless second it's black people 52 out of 10,000 and then third, Native Americans, obviously, right? 45 out of 10,000 um, people are homeless. So when you look at it more broken down, this always takes me back to Saad's point about 
if you're already at the bottom of the ship and the ship starts sinking, you're going to sink first. So these are already communities. I mean, do I really have to go into it? Black people, Native Americans, you know what I mean? They've yeah. been demonized. They're, they're, always, they're always like the minority group in almost every setting um, when it comes to socioeconomic standards, education, all this other stuff. So obviously when stuff like this happens, they're way more at the bottom. And then there's actually what I saw in research was trends and basically uneven progress, right? Because even with these social programs that go through for homeless, homeless programs and housing abilities and whatnot for the homeless folks, um, about 61% of people go through homeless programs, right? Mm -hmm. And even within that, they want to favor the more vulnerable ones, which are obviously women and children or Mm -hmm. people with families. Those people get put up in front of the lines, whereas the men and the other folks kind of get pushed back. And then, you know, if you're already back there, you're already living this kind of life, you're just going to kind of just kick what, it. What go. are some of the numbers on the homelessness, pro- anti-homelessness programs? So in terms of like the housing and urban development, what they did for the anti-homeless programs was about, so in t- January 2021, they renewed $2.5 billion in funds. Okay. Right. And that number sounds big. Two point five billion. Billion, right? Must be a lot. Yeah, must be a lot. And you're like, okay, like that's that's good. There, you know, it's going. They're putting a the B behind it, right? But that's that two point five billion is going through sixty five hundred social programs throughout the nation. Mm -hmm. You know, and I did not find like what those specific programs were. Were they actual homeless shelters? Were they're like you know, those uh, in-between homes that help them kind of like go in between jobs and kind of set them up for their future. Yeah. It just said 6,500 programs yeah. and that was basically And, and I would imagine it does include all of them. The, yeah. the language is intentionally very vague. The, like, like people get so focused on these, um, you know, like 2.5 billion towards X amount of programs. People interpret that as that's $2.5 billion going towards Straight. getting homeless people into homes. Like, yeah, off the no, street. No, 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 that's not what it is. No. I, I guarantee you I cannot put a hard number on it. Some of that is for shit like anti-homeless advocacy. Yeah. People who just talk about it yeah. are getting some of that money. Yeah. Which, and like, you can't, what, you, I don't fucking care. I, you should not get money for that yeah, shit. Yeah, and you can't forget about the administrative fees too. Yeah. Even know? the companies that are actually in corporations, whatever organization that is actually doing real work, they do have administrative fees they got to cover. Yeah. Because, you know, for example, if you have people working for you and doing a good thing, they should still get some money because they're putting in like 40, 50 hours a week. And one thing that I've basically learned about the government organizations is that they are extremely slow. They they don't want to reinvent the wheel. They still use some extremely dated technology and databases on their end. Mm -hmm. And I just think that independent organizations and nonprofits actually tend to do more for the homeless population than government programs because... Uh, I just feel like mm-hmm. it's, it's just so slow on their side. So I think that's where the complication is, though, right? So let me have an analogy real quick. Let's say we have a group of people who need water, mm-hmm. okay? And currently, their reservoir of water is, like, pretty near empty. It's like, oh, shit, there's, like, 100 people. Right. And we need to put, give them water. So we set up a tank or we refill the reservoir to have a bajillion gallons. Mm-hmm. Just a, a large, large amount, right? On paper... That seems like, oh, thank goodness everybody can get water. Right. Well, here's the thing. What we didn't fund and what we didn't change was the pipes. Right. The number of spouts that can get to water. How many homes are actually connected to that reservoir. Mm-hmm. How many homes are connected to that reservoir for both 
drinking water and toilet water or whatever, right? The way you distribute those resources matters a shit ton. So I'm gonna give some some further context that's related specifically to poverty. I used to work as a social security paralegal and I worked in Baltimore. Right. And, you know, so people would apply, people who is specifically social security disability. Right. People who were physically unable to work would apply for social security benefits. Mm -hmm. And social security is a public fund. Right, you pay through it with your own taxes. Right, it, it everything goes into one large slush fund, and you get a payment out of it. Mm-hmm. The problem is, for example, a lot of our claimants were in Baltimore because we were from Baltimore. There were three offices, yeah. social security offices in Baltimore. So that creates a massive bottleneck effect. Bro, you, do you know what the wait period was for a hearing date? Probably like forty-five days. More two to three years. Years on two to three years Golly. on average. And keep in mind, the person applying for this stuff it's is poor. Is usually I cannot tell you how many of my clients literally died right waiting for a a hearing. Yeah, and it's not like the fault of you know the person working at Social Security. That's not one of those things where it's like no amount of software can change that. No. That's just like infrastructure. Yeah, infrastructure, it's terrible. That, that's, it's that's, terrible. That's what I meant with government organizations is that they don't want to reinvent the wheel, even though they know that the yeah. infrastructure for these social programs is terrible. Mm-hmm. Two things to that. Yeah. I want to put the $2.5 billion into the view real quick and just compare it to some, like, one other number that will maybe hopefully give you guys, like, a little reflection of, like, oh, shit, like, that's not a lot, right? When Trump was in office, he wanted Congress to approve $5 billion for the wall, for the border wall. In total, Congress had estimated that that wall was probably going to be between, like, 11 to $20 billion by the time it was finished. So the government is debating about and I'm not I'm not here to, I'm not here to discuss the merits of a wall or the the falls of a wall I that's not what I'm talking about I'm just specifically speaking on the number of the value of it so we're ready and in discussion for 11 billion dollars for a wall but the only thing we can allocate to homelessness and those programs is 2.5 billion it's fucking absurd do you know how much, um, so I just wanted to, I knew this was uh, happening right now, but I just want to solve a number for it. So currently the House and the Congress are trying to like pass a bill and everything, right. looking into all that shit. But you know what the proposal was for an increase to our military spending? Probably like, a, uh, fuck, I don't even know, 500 bill? No, so this is an increase, increase to what's we, we, we already there. We want to increase to what, what's already there. 10? The increase is $25 billion. Billion? Uh-huh. For fucking And so currently, what? it's the proposal is $715 billion. And we've spent about $700 billion. It's, it's by 10 years, by the yeah. way. Yeah. It's over a 10-year period. But still, so we have to scrap for like a couple billion for homeless people. For homeless people, people. But for maintaining... The empire. The empire. And I don't think people realize a lot of this shit is just for like equipment that doesn't get used. Yep. I mean, put aside like the ethical and all that stuff about yeah. like we're just going and killing people, right? Yeah. A lot of this is just for like a lot of the, these bases are fucking luxury yeah. resorts. Yeah, that's where a lot of this money goes towards. Yeah. There's literally a graveyard junkyard that they call it of like F-15 fighter jets that never even took off, 
yeah. those are like two, three million dollar jets and like yeah. warplanes that are just like sitting out there because the government never used it. Yeah. Moral is that I think we waste too much money on other stuff that we don't really need mm-hmm. and the bottom of the barrel folks we just like oh here's some chump yeah. change y'all can do something with it like you said three three offices in baltimore yeah baltimore has a strictly homeless population of about a thousand people yeah. which honestly when i saw that number it's definitely I, less I, I, yeah I it's we, definitely less yeah i think well no it, it's more you mean the actual number is more oh the actual yeah, yeah the actual, yeah, actual number more, but more. the number i saw on yeah the government website yeah. was way less because can't really fucking track that, right? Exactly. Like we're talking about. Okay, let's count all the homeless people. Well, definitionally, you can't just go to a homeless person's door. Yeah. Because that door was ripped off from a McDonald's. <laughs> right. Like, oh, you're not. Oh, you're dead. Yeah. Right. Like Pretty it's much. it's hard to track homeless people to begin with. Yeah. The only reason I carry cash, bro, is because. If I see a homeless person, I'm going to give it. I do. Right? Hookers. <laughs> Hookers of cocaine. <laughs> yeah, no. So that's the only reason I carry cash. And also because there's a all cash gas station in Annapolis, which is like 15, 20% uh, well, cheaper. Well, well, So two reasons, okay? <laughs> Fine. But I've thought about how the homeless are going to adapt to this new world that we're living in with cryptocurrency and just people <sighs> not carrying cash with them at all. You know what I mean? Like, no... I, I've gone out with friends and they're like, oh, no, I don't carry cash. And like almost every, no one, everyone I know does not carry cash yeah. anymore. You got cash on you? I do. I carry cash. Okay. Yeah. Because we're good people. But we're, we're like, <laughs> we're just kind of weird in that regard. It, yeah. it, is, it is kind of an old school thing. Yeah. Okay. But, but think about it this way, right? Like most, the reason why most people don't carry cash, and this kind of goes into one of our uh, other points, is that. The people who don't carry cash usually live in areas where cash is completely unnecessary. Yeah. You're like if you if you live in an area with a lot of nice little restaurants and, and chic boutique spots. Everyone takes clothing. Apple Pay, everyone yeah. takes bar. I barely take out my wallet when I pay. I still do. It's it's a habit for me. Yeah. Sometimes I I just literally just like double triple tap or whatever it yeah. is on my phone. Just here you go. And and so certainly part of that is just technology and like I think a lot of people will like it's not just rich people who experience that, of course. No. But there is a proportionality to it where it is more so privileged people. Yeah. And this kind of leads me to a point about the culture of poverty. Because mm-hmm. I want to circle back to that original question about is poverty a choice? Right. Or is it thrust upon you? Yeah. There's a lot of poverty blaming. There's a lot of poverty shaming. Yeah. And there's this insistence that if you're poor, it's because you didn't do enough to get out of it. Yeah. There's this insistence that if you just work hard enough for an X amount of time, you will reap benefits. Hard work. I had a very interesting dialogue when I was back in college with a white girl in one of our, like, I forget what class, but I think it was class about cities, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we were probably on, like, homelessness and, and whatnot. Uh-oh. And this white girl is like, you know, like, my, my parents, like, they were not poor, or they were poor, and they didn't, da-da-da-da, but they worked really hard. It's like, you can you can pull yourself up by hard work. And at that moment, I realized that hard work is a white concept. Because that, that's not true. No, no, no listen, listen, listen. Okay. Let me let me finish my point. Hard work can get you to a certain level. Uh-huh. Is it going to be the main reason that you climb the social mobility ladder? I don't think so. 
No, I don't think so either. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying hard work isn't going to... If you're, like, working hard, you're working two jobs, like, you should not be working two jobs anyways. But, like, if you're genuinely a determined, hardworking person, you'll get somewhere in life. That's not what I'm saying. But the way a lot of people describe hard work and you can become a millionaire, multimillionaire, mm-hmm. I, I don't think so. I think if you are... I think if you are... I don't know if this is going to be controversial or not, but I think if you are white... It's you're more prone to that social mobility opposed to whether you are black woman hijabi, right? I, I mean, there's a lot to break down there. Like, okay, so when I said I don't think so, I was specifically referring to you calling it a white concept. Oh, okay, okay. Meaning that like people of other colors don't buy into this bullshit. Yeah, I think like certainly there's a, I think more of a propensity towards it with white people, mm-hmm. and I do agree that yes, like on average. A white person is going to benefit more from the material conditions that can get you right. up the social ladder. That's true. But I think a lot of it is like there are, of course, immigrants and black people and whatever people, brown people, Asian people who are rich right. and who sound exactly like that. Yeah. Where and it can be like genuinely true. And it often is genuinely true that your parents or your grandparents or whomever did work their ass off. Oh, they did. And now you get to reap the benefits of it. And so, and generally those people, not always, but sometimes have some wherewithal to recognize like, oh, I, I am fortunate because I grew up in this environment with my parents already did the hard work. Right. But because my parents did it, other people can do it. And then I may, I work hard too. It's like, well, your hard work, it means a lot less than, yeah, your parents than what your work parents did. Because like you were already situated. Also, there's something to the fact that timeliness matters mm-hmm. a lot oh yeah working hard now does not get you as far as working hard 30 40 years ago absolutely not especially because the economy was not as bad as it was yeah. back then it's, it's people really like bad. like people and, who came here like listen mm-hmm. i think about this all the time because like most of my friends and you know friends our friends you know I always have like, okay, like when, when did your parents get here? Right. Uh-huh. And they were like, oh, and like the seventies, the eighties. And I'm like, damn, that must've been a good ass time for immigrants or like not all immigrants, but yeah. some immigrants to come in. The ones you just happen to, to know. Yeah. Cause there's a lot. Who are yeah. 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 Struggling. This is very, this is very personal. And like, this is not a, like a holistic all, this is yeah. not all saying, but yeah, people who came in that era, bro, they worked really hard and made a lot of money and set people up, you know, set their families up. Yeah. Opposed to <laughs> my family that came in 2003, yeah. a year removed from 9-11, last name's Hussein, you know what I mean? Worked their asses off. If, if my parents put in that much work that they did in this era back then, we'd be way better off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and so the eras matter. And I think I want to go back to another point of, of what you made, right? About how is being poor or being homeless about your personal choices or is it because of the system right mm-hmm. and you just mentioned how in baltimore there are only three social security offices for your for disability offices it might sorry. actually be two i might be wrong i mean shit. I, I don't, it's like two or three i don't remember two or three not enough yeah at that not point. nearly enough for Forget the, the of number cases. not enough for the amount of cases right now i've heard a lot of conversation around Oh, I mean, it's just their culture. It's a culture thing with these people, right? We're talking about black people. Black people, yeah. Latino people, whatever. Just minorities. I'm not going to focus on one. But a lot of the argument against it is like, yo, it's their culture. Mm-hmm. They grew up They grew up this way. They grew up that way. And it's just like the cycle repeats itself. Is the cycle repeating itself kind of true? Yes, because there's so many other 
factors into it like the incarceration rates right like person gets arrested the chances of them going back to jail because they're gonna have such more scrutiny on them they won't be able to get jobs they won't be able to you know what i mean they go right back do you blame like do we blame people because the government only has two fucking offices in Baltimore, two or three, not enough offices in and Baltimore. And by the way, that's four. that's just social security. Like, that's a just whole social security. Things. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I'm just gonna focus on just that because we talked about it. Now, why would we blame the person whose next date for social social security benefits or disability benefits is fucking two years down the line, and they're starving? They got people to feed. Now they turn to selling drugs. How much of that is your personal choice yeah. versus? The, the institution you know that's you know, set up you know what that is that is grinding yeah bro that's like the hustle and the grind yeah. the difference is again because everything is like goes through a filter first when we like as like a general culture as like online culture talk about hustle and grinding we only see it as hustle and grinding when that person becomes rich and like has a nice following yep. and has like a verified profile blue check jay-z jay-z that's hustle and grinding yeah. The shit you have to do to get there, that's not hustling no. and grinding. But for to me, it's like, bro, you're shooting and scrapping and looting and selling crack. Like, is that ba- like, yeah, it's bad. But yeah. I'm also like, I did not grow up in a situation where I had to do that, yeah. so I'm not gonna be like, oh, you should just, you should just go on Indeed. Yeah, like, that's such a dipshit thing to do. And like, in a lot of people who don't come from that background. They can't break into those spaces yeah. because it's fucking. Yeah. There's so many barriers of entry. You will have in those. Places. You will have outliers. Yeah. There is no such thing as a statistic or a trend that doesn't have outliers. Yeah. And people will often use outliers as a way to say like, no, no, no. See, like it's possible. It's like, I mean, it's possible, but it's insanely unlikely. How so, many Jay Zs are there in the world? One. Yeah. One. One Jay Z we know. One Jay-Z. And. Jay-Z is one of the when people think about Jay-Z they're like honestly at this point they think more of like the businessman and the yeah. business mogul rather than the rapper right yeah. Jay-Z grew he up He was a drug dealer he sold crack <laughs> He was Jay-Z hustling sold crack Jay-Z just got introduced to like I think the Hip Hop Hall of Fame or Rock and Roll Hall of Fame one of those two he got like immortalized yeah, somewhere Yeah I saw that right yeah. And Dave Chappelle introduced him <laughs> and Dave said the most and he was like a lot of people don't know Jay-Z sold crack <laughs> He was like this motherfucker was a drug dealer and he was like, and now look at him, billionaire, owns buildings, so many businesses. He was like, shit, if that's not the American dream, what is it? Because he got his hands on something and sold it and made something of himself. He was like, that's, that's, that's as American as it gets. So I want to circle back to this thing about immigrants and people making it and making themselves up, setting up their friends and stuff. Mm. I think the thing that people don't recognize is that the people who set themselves up earlier and entrenched their wealth and everything, and you always say, oh, that's the American dream, that's a glory story. Um, those are the people making it worse for everybody else. Yeah. Like, Okay. <laughs> fucking landlord tiktok oh, is the the i i levitate with <laughs> anger and steam and rage when i see that shit yep. like both because like the moral aspect of it and also like it's just stupid yeah okay like this is the pitch woman in a burberry jacket is on the staircase to her apartment building she says don't buy that 
$300 car right. that you would only do a down payment of... Actually, no. It would be like, don't put down that $100,000 for a down payment on a $300,000 car. So, first of all, the audience she's speaking to... <laughs> already has $100,000. It already has $100,000 to put to down for a down payment. You're already speaking to someone who's like rich. For that Bentley. That's like the thing undergirding all these like finance guru, TikTok motherfuckers. It's like... No, no, no! Don't, don't get the seven hundred thousand dollar home as a um. And they always, it's always prefaced like as an investment. Mm-hmm. They're explicitly saying this is not, this is like a second home you're just buying for an investment right. for seven hundred thousand dollars. Right. The person you're talking to is rich. Yeah. Okay. They tell you what to do to make profit off it, and usually the advice is true. Yeah. Right. Like yes. You rent out business wise, yes, it's true. Yeah, it's obviously it's true. It's like yeah, it's a formula. You rent out thirteen. You like no shit. You're gonna make money off of that. That's the thing though. You. Now have people living in your units who are paying you rent. Yeah. And you like in the TikTok itself, you're kind of implying that like you're upping up the, the charge yeah. and the rate so you can make a lot of money. This is your get rich yeah. tip. But that person's a loser and a sucker yeah. because he's paying. They needed a home. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing about that whole fucking financial gurus and TikTok and especially the realtor TikTok, it's like oh landlord. That's ridiculous. I hate that shit. No, I hate it too. Cause it, like that literally what you just said, I've seen that video. This woman was like, don't buy it. She was, she was, she was pulled up in a Porsche parked right next to her <laughs> Land Rover. She was like, how do I afford these two like hundred thousand dollar cars? I'll tell you, I don't pay for them. Oh I bought this building instead. These two, these two. <laughs> I bought the seventeen-unit building instead, and they pay for it. And they, those, these, these yeah. suckers pay for it. Another thing is that the thing that bothers me the most about these financial gurus is when they're like, "You should never buy stuff that becomes a liability." Buying a car, for like, for example, right? You're that's money going out of your pocket. So, hold on, actually, no, I'll explain it. Oh, I know what it's Money going. going out of your pocket that's not coming back into your pocket, that's a liability. You have to turn that into an asset. So essentially, they want you to buy your car, yeah, and then basically somehow that that asset that you just bought has to make you money yeah. somehow. Putting it on Turo, renting it out if it's a nicer car. Yeah. You, ha- any, you have to be able to commodify everything. Every single thing. How does that fucking make sense when people have to live? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like you said, their target audience at that point yeah. are genuinely just people yeah. who have that extra extra income yeah. to buy things yeah. that turn into assets for them. Yeah. Buying a house like buying a second house to rent yeah. out, bro. We're still struggling to buy our first. Bro, I, I'm, you know I mean? I'm sorry, I'm gonna put my foot down here on this real quick. I think buying a second home for the purpose of just making profit is like it should be illegal it's I, never gonna happen I, by I, the way what made it being illegal no no i know <laughs> yeah. that but like i like, I, like I, i'm just like a stupid moral stance of mine but like yeah. i genuinely think like that is like fucking evil yeah. that you get to own something and like reap the profit off of it even though like the fun like a, a home should have a function yeah a home should just be a utility that people live in mm-hmm. and stay warm in mm-hmm. and have shelter in yep. it can ha- raise a family and all that stuff instead of somebody's rapacious adventure fucking venture capital yeah. shit what it's not venture capital but you y'all know yeah. what i'm talking about it goes into just what what else is the thing where um where when people apply for to rent a property right like uh-huh. they're renting a property th- i think th- i think the difference between the two is that they you can go in and they'll do a credit check and be like oh yeah you like you're available to rent this mm-hmm. right you can rent this at seventeen hundred 
dollars a month. That same person with their same credit score were to apply for a loan. Yeah. To buy that house, they'd be like, "Your your your loan is not good enough. Yeah. So you have to pay the seventeen hundred yeah. instead of us giving you this loan and your monthly payments yeah. being twelve hundred. So it makes no sense that people and who that's have kind bad of a money credit. Then. Yeah. You know, and this is listen. Credit was introduced like later in the twenty first century. Like this shit is like pretty recent, and I don't fully understand it because the merit. I get I get the merits if you have good credit, you get lower interest rates, you get lower payments on things. But then when you have bad credit, that already means you can't afford some of the things, yeah. right? Even if it's like minute things. But then when you go to buy stuff, because you already have bad credit, yeah. <laughs> they're it, like, it, oh, it, your, your payments are more. It's, it's a chicken and the egg thing. Yeah. Do you have bad credit because you're poor or are you poor because you have bad credit? Yeah. I think it's the first one. You have bad credit because you're poor more often than that. Yeah. Yeah. Can individual decisions like make it better? Sure. Like there's certainly things you could do, but the main thing that's going to determine your credit score is your income already. Mm-hmm. Or if you have like, for example, you don't got to pay rent because you live with your family or right. something like that. The, the credit system is pretty much there to penalize the poor and to do every financial, everything that exists to, that people use as a way to say like, this is how you get rich. It's mostly for people who already have money to further entrench themselves that's america for you that's brother. that is the american yeah, dream that is america and that goes to the the cultural aspect of it too like like think about this this um format you graduate high school you go to college yeah you go to college for four years you get a job maybe you do a master's or whatever right mm-hmm. you get a nice stable job you find a person you get married mm-hmm. y'all both are working maybe you rent an apartment but you're gonna get a home soon and then you raise a family, you have a nice home, but yada, 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 yada. It all Pe- seems like pretty cookie cutter stuff. Yeah, that's like Good very stuff. normal average. Objectives that you have to hit in life. That is a very uncommon experience though. Yeah. That's, if, if like everyone around you is doing that, then you are probably relatively privileged. In a privileged spot, yeah. Because mo- one, most people, I think like maybe 50% of people attempt college. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But the amount of people who actually come out with a degree yeah. is, I, I think off the top of my head, is like less than 30%. Yeah. I think from my friend group in high school, like I had obviously like the whole, I was friends with everybody, but my main friend group, like yeah. my boys and stuff, I think I'm the only one that got a college degree, mm. right? Even though, and I've mentioned this before, me and South have different, very, very different backgrounds in mm-hmm. the way we grew up, right? Yeah. But I know, even though there were a lot of rough times in my life financially, that compared to other people, for me to be able to get through college in four years, get a job after college, work in that job for two years, now have an even better job lined up, I'm extremely privileged. Yeah. You know what I mean? Opposed to people who are... Maybe they're just out of our bracket to where they didn't get the FAFSA and what they need. I think the worst people to be in America that's, are middle class. That it no, that's the worst one. Yeah, it's the worst one because you don't get the benefit of any like the anti-poverty programs. They're like, oh, you make too much money, but, but you don't make so it fucking expensive. No, yeah, yeah, and that that's another thing. It's like, sure, you know, there obviously there's social programs there, FAFSA, government aid, yeah. Pell grants, all this other stuff for to make sure that people from underprivileged backgrounds get that opportunity right Mm -hmm. but if you make like five thousand more than that bucket you're essentially still living the same life as those folks yeah but you're not getting any of those fat like you're not getting nearly as much faster grant you're not even getting the only financial aid that you're gonna get is loans yeah (laughs) you gotta pay pay that shit yeah so but you're not that much better off than anybody else yeah it's like that's that's a rough spot to be in and that's another thing right it's like all these institutions that go into 
making sure some people are a little bit help but if you're just out of range you're you're no you're at more risk of walking that poverty line wait dude i we walked that poverty line like i'm talking about like my my dad didn't get a check or my mom stopped working for like a week or two we are on that poverty line like we were a check away you know what i mean so i understand that i understand that life and people who have to live it because we got so we got social and um government aid going up so like yeah. kept us afloat gave me enough room gave my parents enough room to send me to college i did i was an RA in college you know that helped me with school paying for school i only took out a little bit of loans so i understand that aspect of things and i just feel bad for like the middle class who just don't qualify for that shit and they get they have to basically have to do everything on their own yeah that also leads into daca and the dream act daca students get provided um a provisional residency so they can continue who, work so for and, people who don't know who are daca students daca students uh they are what, what the dream act the stands dreamers. for yeah the dreamers right so the dream act i believe stands for do- undocumented I don't know the exact. Uh, no, I, I literally know that it's like minor aliens um, who are like in the United States, which yeah. I hate the word aliens, by the way. It's like fucking rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> but they're they're The dreamers are basically undocumented immigrants um, who are minors. Mm-hmm. And this act affords them uh, not per, some form of residency so they can continue working. It is a living different classification as opposed to being a uh, permanent resident or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. So. They can, they're allowed to work in the United States, make money, and go to school. They can apply to school with their papers and everything. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. They are not permanent residents or citizens. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they do not qualify for any federal aid. Mm-hmm. So people who are already <laughs> undocumented immigrants, minors, probably working at Starbucks and stuff like that. Now they have to pay a full college tuition to try to break through. No matter how hard they work, brother... That system is essentially, no, I'm not going to say rigged against them, but uh, it's so hard for them to make it because of their quote-unquote hard work. I'm going it's, it's, to say it's a little rigged. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if, if you're not rich, it's the system is rigged against yeah. you. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah, we're going to allow you guys to go to school. Cool, are you going to help us pay for it? No. Nah. Oh, well, how much does <laughs> school cost? Like $50? $50,000. dollars $50, What in the fuck? What do you expect me to do with this? I want to provide a little um, interesting factoid. It's not a statistic, but um, class, as we alluded to with food and hair care and skin care, has material and physical connotations. If you take, and this has been done in studies, you could take the skeleton of somebody who lived in a high earning zip code area, Mm -hmm. trace the minerals in them, you would find that they are different minerals which suggest that they had a more wealthy upbringing because of the foods that they ate yep. because of the skincare they could do mm-hmm. as opposed to somebody who grew up in a more impoverished area yeah because their money the impoverished area folks their money and time and attention is going to fucking living yeah whereas the richer folks their time and attention and money are going towards leisure yeah you know so obviously they live a better life it's really funny you mentioned that because i literally came across a video the other day of the most 
coked up financial bro <laughs> motivational speaker yes ever so i'd like i he is like the fine like if we take down all of these the financial final gurus he is the final <laughs> boss dead serious the way he was like talking and walking around on stage dog it was like he just did a bag of blow in the back and just walked out it was insane <laughs> this guy's fucking little minute clip that i saw was literally he was like so i was out on the street right I was out on the street and homeless person comes up to me. No, oh, no. Homeless person comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, man, do you have a twenty? Right? Do you have a twenty? Can I can I get some?" And he's like, "You know what? I have a belief in my head. In my head, I have a belief." Now he's talking to the audience. In my belief, I have a I have a belief that what you want in life, you can get. What you you what you want in life, what you ask for life, life will give it to you. So, I'm looking at this homeless person and I'm like, "All right, I got you." I pull up. A wad of cash with hundreds. And I make sure this dead ass. Why is he, he carrying said, hundreds? Sir, 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 listen. He dead ass was like, I make sure he sees all these hundreds. And I go through these hundreds and I give him that 20. And I give him the 20 and I tell him, life will give you what you, what you ask for it. So if he would have asked me for the hundred, I would have given it to him. But I only gave him the 20. And then he just goes back on making some benign ass fucking point about whatever you ask from life, life will give it. Because he, so in in his scenario, he was life and this poor person, because he didn't ask for more, (laughs) he was. was (laughs) 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 Bro, I gotta show you this video. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I believe what this this (laughs) TED Talk motherfucker said. If you and the video was in black and white too, so you know. If you take what you want from what is it? If you want, if you if you ask life for something, life will give it. I think the the mode the motto should be, if you take what you want from life, you will get it. Okay, that poor person <laughs> should have stabbed him, him and just fucking robbed him. <laughs> Fuck that guy! <laughs> Holy shit! No, that shit was so bad, bro. That's I hate, I hate the cult. Yeah. Of richness yeah i i hate that that brainwashing that goes into like oh i'm just like genetically there there's like a weird like kind of a nazism oh yeah to dude, it. it's like it's a- like we're like especially because because so much of it is like along like racial lines yeah. where like a lot of people would just be like oh those fucking dirty will be like <laughs> i'm gonna believe that, <laughs> yeah, believe that. <laughs> well are like god they just they just don't work hard it's, it's like genetic yeah that's why they're poor it's like oh. i think an interesting i think an interesting topic again on top of that is um in, inner not interracial interracial tensions too because mm-hmm. at, at a certain point race tends to be like an afterthought and class tends to be more you know what I mean? Like, whereas, Explain. so the richer folks from group A, say group A are uh, any group, white, black, whatever you want. Uh-huh. Just they're a certain race, right? Group A is rich people. No, no, no. Group A is the race. But oh. there's like rich people with, it's like class. Like, you know oh, what I mean? It's like class okay, solidarity. Okay, 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 where it's know. like, my, I could be some prick, right? Who's rich, but, and there's like a poor Pakistani family and the kid wants to play and I'm, I tell my son like, no, 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 we, you know, we don't want to associate with them. You know what I mean? Because it's not good. It's not a good look. I think that happens a lot more than like yeah. what people let on because I have, um, I think this, I don't know if this is more so class or more cultural. I think this, this, this example I'm about to give is more cultural, but I think there is some form of beef between like African Africans, like people who have families that immigrated from Nigeria oh, yeah, and stuff dude. and black people. Oh here. dude. It's, I've had multiple conversations with my friends who are Nigerian, and they're they like, "They hate African Americans." Yeah, or like, and vice versa. And they like, 
they like have this weird beef between each other. It's like, nah, you're not real black, and he's like, you're not really African. So yeah. it's like, you know what I mean? Like, I I just think that's 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 another interesting yeah. devolution of all of this. It, it's it because. Like, everybody always talks about, like, you know, you should be thankful for things you have. You should be successful. You should do well in order to do well. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard that phrase? Yeah. It's, 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 you know, you do well for yourself so you can do good things for other people and yeah. uplift other people, whatever, right? But the, the, the thing that is, like, always understated and, like, implied is that you get rich so you don't have to see poor people and you don't have yeah. to associate with poor people. Yeah. That's, like, that's why you live in certain areas. Yeah. That's why, like, if you see a homeless person, you get your gun, like, <laughs> yeah and that's why hoas yeah. and like housing oh my housing God. like organizations NIMBYs? yeah housing organizations will literally see like an apartment complex being built down the road and they're like no we don't want yeah. it section eight housing they're like oh no no, yeah. no we don't want and that. they're we like nope that. we we don't want it yeah. and they literally veto it yeah it's crazy yeah because the whole point of getting rich and becoming rich is that you are like in an exclusive club been depressing this has this has been very very depressing but it's needed because i guess my message to people is that if you are in a privileged position you should do everything in your power to help people it's as simple as that it's not profound it's, it's not, not profound, profound. It, be a good what, person you know what? No, here's the thing. it's not profound but we so often act like homelessness and and not even homelessness right like you can be poor and still struggling, and you you are no less deserving of respect and yeah. dignity and help. We often, and I think social media plays a huge role in this, act like, oh, we're all like doing good, we're all doing fine. Again, go, kind of going to my like analog about the whole like, oh, college f- f- wife, mm-hmm. and then home is like natural. It's like no, no, no. you were like living in a bubble. Yeah, most people talk about these things are living in a bubble. They are in that one percent or very close to that one percent. Do things in little ways. This is such a broad point for it us. Is. Like, you know, be good, yeah. be be kind, give back. I don't know. The hot pocket boys, the hot boys advocate for the less fortunate and the poor folks. And we're advocating for our listeners to just be better people. Start small. One step at a time. Alrighty, y'all. We're gonna head out because it is about to be four. Okay, yeah. Oh, let's wrap Sad's up. Sad's gotta go. This is Sad. <laughs> this is Sherry R. This has been episode 22 of Hot Pocket. Like, subscribe, share, follow, comment, interact, yes. DM, whatever. Bye. See ya.